Luck on Sunday, proudly sponsored by our Basti Ecruel Dubai. And our first guest is a big runner as well, in every sense. Once again, as he did with Sky Ace, he's turned base metal into gold with this horse, Hewick, with a holy trinity of victories that culminated in an extraordinary day in New Jersey last time. He is Shark Hanlon. He will be on this sofa very shortly. Coming to us via the digital airwaves will be the man who enjoyed what you could argue was his most significant day as a trainer yesterday in company with his brother Harry, Dan Skelton, guided Protectorat to success in the Betfair chase in which Aplutar was a bitter disappointment. New governance structure finally announced this week by the BHA. Julie Harrington will whip in and whip out with all the news and significant developments that have happened this week. Kevin Stott has made a big move. He's moved south and he has widened his portfolio of trainers that he's riding for with the assistance of his partner and now agent, TV presenter Megan Nichols. They will both be joining me on the Luck on Sunday sofa. As will a man who has changed the face of every endeavour that he's been involved with, whether it be football anywhere in the world, from South America through the United States to Europe, and now to horse racing, where it's not just as an owner he is seeking to dominate, but as a metaverse pioneer. Kia Jarabchin is live at 10.30. Horse walks into a bar, asks for a pint of Guinness, causes absolute chaos. Shark Hanlon is my first guest today. The exploits of Hewick have gone viral around the world. But we want to concentrate more on what this horse has done rather than what he's drunk. Shark, good morning. <laughs> morning, how are you? Well, let's get, let's get that done with first. You've had to do a bit of firefighting this week. For those who, who haven't been following this story, after the great win in the American Grand National at Firehills in New Jersey, you walked your great horse, Hewick, into your local and he had a pint of Guinness. Little did you know that this would cause a furore of sorts. We can, we can enjoy it again here on Racing TV. Now, how have, you, how have you managed to play this up and down over the last few weeks? Listen, there's, there's a lot of people loved it. There's a few people there, eight or ten people that give out about it. And um, we won't talk about them people. Listen, them people are people that probably never worked a day in their life and uh, they have no interest in horses, they just want to be there to give out about something. But we had 700,000 views, my young lad does the social media for me at home, and we had 700,000 views that loved it, so they're the people we'll talk about. Is this your son Paddy who does Sean. Sean, Sean does, Sean Sean does, does, the, all, does the social media. Yeah, if it was left to me, I couldn't turn it on. But um, he does all the social media for me at home, so, and he's doing a great job on it, and he's keeping people updated with everything. So and I think it's very important now in this day and age have that going ahead and was most of the traffic you got from that quite quite positive quite charmed by that it was unreal um we had we had over seven hundred thousand views now that's a lot of people mm. and they were all all good views so there was a few people that knocked it just just the horse shouldn't have went into the pub and things like this listen mm. if i felt any danger the horse wouldn't have been in the pub but he's just a real relaxed horse and uh, for my own location and home, it was brilliant for it to be there. And how is he now, Hewick, after what's been a, a busy but incredibly successful campaign, taking in 
um, Galway after Sandown, of course, and then a wonderful race where he came down at the last, but he effectively won the race at the Stoll, and then to America. Is, is he in great shape? He is in great shape. I thought we didn't bring him home for about 10 days from America, and it was brilliant because it was 25, 30 degrees over there, and I decided to leave him over there, let him get his son on his back, get himself fully recovered, and um, he was came home brilliant. So he did. As a matter of fact, he came home heavier than he went, and he gone. Do you know? So like, um, it was great. We had someone to leave him over there and everything, and we um, we enjoyed the whole thing over there. So we did, and the horse enjoyed it. So he did. He never turned the hair. Um, after this stall, we didn't do much with him. I gave him a week off after this stall, and the plan was to go to America, win, lose, or draw. In this stall, he was going to America because it was a thing I had in our head for the last couple of years. It was great to have a horse to do what he'd done. And um, just, it was a dream come true there when you see him jumping the second last and he taking it up. And John Gainford was absolutely brilliant on him. And the only place that he wiggled around a bit was at the last. But it's a funny, it's a funny fence because you pass on the inside of that fence twice. And when the horse came around the bend, watch him coming around the bend there now, when he came around the bend, he, he was usually going on the inside of the fence. The next thing he had to veer out. And just the horse himself, he's a very clever horse, and he thought he should have been going on the inside. And that was the only little wibble that he gave. But this was great to go over there and do it. And um, in fairness, England, Ireland, what sport we had behind us. You see, there's the they passed on yeah. the inside of that twice. Just be and careful when you run him in the Grand National, he doesn't try and jump the chair twice. He's that clever. But um, the sport we're after getting um, from everywhere. I was over at the sales last week, and all the English people were coming up to congratulate me. I, I didn't, I, I couldn't believe we had so much sport over there. We had more requests for us to show this race the next morning than we've ever had for any race before on this programme. People saying, please, 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 can we see the Shark winning the, uh, winning the American Grand National? It's great. Listen, um, it's great. People are great. People are great. And that's what racing is about. Um, we're, we're after having downturns and upturns. Everyone does. And in racing, you get them as well. But this is a good story, and that's what people want to hear. I know that we're going to talk about this much more, much later in the show, but I need to ask you, this is a perfect example of a horse being enterprisingly campaigned. You've run him plenty. I yeah. know he was a cheap horse, but he's a very precious horse to you now. Yeah. You've run him plenty on what we would consider to be quickish ground, but he's a horse with Welsh Grand National winners and four-mile chasers in his pedigree. It's not like he's bred to be a flat horse. Why can you do that with him and know that that's OK, and yet these people up the top of the trainers championship both sides of the irish sea are afraid to run a horse on what's called good ground at one of our premier tracks i think um with this horse anyway is that i know he needs good ground right mm -hmm. and but he's not a big horse he's only 16 and a half and um it's easier to keep a smaller horse sound none of us wants to break down a horse so that's the last thing in the world any trainer wants to do to want to hurt a horse that's that's the, like that's the first thing is in a, a trainer's mind they don't want to hurt their, hurt, hurt their horse but this horse it's a handy bit of a horse and he, he wasn't a pint a pint horse he went there once or twice and fell right but um he's a kind of a horse that when he needs good ground and you can run a small horse more often on good ground than a big horse mm -hmm.
And that's because they're putting less pressure on their Less pressure on, on their, their legs and their, their tendons. Legs, on their yeah. tendons yeah. Yeah. And like at the moment, there's probably a lot about Ascot gist and that. But like the trainer knows his heart. Mm -hmm. And when you know your heart and you decide the night before, because whoever, whatever trainer it is, they don't sleep the night before if they think the ground is going to be too quick for their heart. I know because I don't and my, my horses wouldn't be in the same class as their horses, right? But um, they, won't, they won't sleep well the night before. They'll be thinking about this. So it's not something that they're going to do on the morn. There's a bit of thought after going mm -hmm. into it. So you wouldn't consider yourself intrinsically more of a risk taker? You're not someone who rolls the dice more than I, your neighbour down the road, Willie Mullins, or your neighbour the other way? I, I'm, with this horse, it's different because he's not a big horse and he needs good ground. Mm -hmm. So um, probably he, he could have been an ascot yesterday. Do you know, like that, that kind of thing. But we decided early in the year, we done out a plan early in the year for my horse and I stuck with it. Now the next plan is you go to the Gold Cup. Nothing between now and the Gold Cup. No, listen, he deserves a break. He, um, he's after um, having a great season and he deserves a break. So he came back from America. And when he came back from America, uh, TJ took him back up to Nace. And he's out in the day and in at night. And he's been mined like a baby up there. So he is. So, and they're very good. TJ and the brother are very good to look after him when, when they're on holidays. And I just feel that he deserves eight weeks off now. And that's, we'll say, first of January. Mm. Right? And if I have to give him a run, I'm going to have to be hard on him um, to get a run into him in eight weeks after. So, um, bar he come. Now, he's a horse that don't, he's a very bad crib biter, right? And um, they nearly keep themselves, even when he's out in the field, he could take the top of a stake and crib bite it. But he's happy doing it. And I never tried to stop him. Um, some trainers there, they'd be putting yokes on their neck, all bull, you know, like. A horse is happy doing it. What to do in their own time is their own business. So it's, it's a nervous reflection. It's like somebody biting their nails yes. all the time compulsively. Yeah. So a horse yeah. just chewing and chewing and chewing against any surface, any bit of wood. Yeah, but like we have him there, and my young lad now, Paddy, he, he looks after him a lot. Is, of do the you time. think that's why you got him so cheap in the first place? Because um, people couldn't sell him because he was a crib biter. No, I don't think it was mentioned on the day. <laughs> Funny that. You know, and yeah. just the reason I got him so cheap which was probably in our own local. Like, I'm only five minutes from the sales company. And um, I'd say that um, on the day, the trade wasn't good. And I got to buy him cheap. I would never have bought him. I went down to buy another horse at the time. I went down to buy him another horse at the time. And um, the other horse wasn't there. And I was walking out the bottom gate, coming home. And I met him coming in. And it just, something caught me eye. And went home, got the dinner. Half hours during the dinner, got up, left, went back and um, went back to buy the horse. And I didn't even know what he was by. I didn't know what. I knew nothing about him. I just liked the, what I saw. And at, at 800 quid, it, it's... Is it eight? Eight, yeah. yeah. Eight, yeah. Uh, it, I suppose it doesn't matter too much. As long as you like the model, you know you can do something yeah. with it. Is this your stockman's background that informs that? Because you are from a family of, of, of farmers, of, of, of dairy I, farmers. I, no, I dealt I was a cattle dealer. Dealer, my, yeah. my grandfather was a cattle dealer. My father was a cattle dealer. And um, but you know what a good animal's supposed to look like, right? Yeah, well, hopefully <laughs> it's working anyway. It's working. Um, to say that if you can judge a bullock, you can judge a horse. I don't is it, know. Is it true? I don't know. It's working, though. It's working, and when it's working, I'm happy. 
how, do you, how do you judge a bullock? Uh, listen, a bullock is, is different than a horse, really. But um, a horse, in my opinion, a horse can have to walk. Uh -huh. If you can't walk, you can't run. Okay. And that's for me when I'm buying a horse. Some people say I won't buy a horse turned in, I won't buy a horse turned out. I don't mind a horse turned out a bit because he, he's not going for sale again if I'm going to train them. And you can buy him at half the price. You know, but Huey is straight as a die, lovely straight horse, not over big. I bought his brother last week at the sales. Okay, um, I bet you uh, maybe have to give a little I had more. To give for him? twenty-five from. I can't believe I, I, I extended to that. So, but listen, how did you get away with only having to give twenty-five for him? He, he's not over big. Okay, he's a lovely horse and great are walking we, horse. Are we now? Take this the right way, but are we getting sizest? Ah, are think we so. are we anti-small horses? In Ireland and England, they love this big chasing horse. That's what I mean. Um, they love their big... Are we really overvaluing big horses? Well, I tell you, just my opinion is that the big horses are great, right, and they look lovely. But, like, it's a bit like Ascot yesterday. They're big horses, and you won't, you won't chance them on goodish ground. OK. Right? Which my horse... You could chance them any day on, 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 on that kind of ground. A lot of money in, in good ground in Cheltenham, Aintree, possibly Punchestown, all the way through the summer in Ireland. You mentioned yeah, Listowel. Listowel, Galway. Um, like, you're going to have goodish ground. Like, I've never went to Cheltenham hardly that was botanist. Do you know that it was really suitable for a heavy ground horse? But the, the, all the trainers will run their horse in Cheltenham. Okay. So, do you, did you always find. When you started getting involved in the in the racehorses with with George Mullins, wasn't it initially? Yeah, it was with Tony, uh, Tony. Tony at the start. Yeah. yeah, I mean, did you always get a little bit more of a buzz out of that than you did out of the cattle dealing? Ah, you would. A winner is a great thing. A winner is a great thing, and no matter who you are or where you are, a winner I know should be celebrated, and we love celebrating. So, what was the first? What was the first winner that really got the blood pumping? That got you celebrating? That got you thinking? Right, I'm actually going to do this. Train them. Make my make my life out of this. I had a horse for Barry Connell, one of my first horse, Western leader, and I have no doubt in saying, but he was the best horse I ever trained. And Barry rode a couple of bumper winners on him, and uh, we went hurling him, and he was twenty five lengths in front one day in um, Liverpool, and he got broke down, he got hurted, but we brought him home, we minded him, I got him back to the track. He won, and then we retired him. You know, um, because at the time there was a bit of a hullabaloo about it. He should have been put down. And I oh. said no, I didn't want him put down, and um, because um, I said that he was, at the time he was my star, and it was an awful kick to get it when he broke down. But he was kept on butte. He was well minded, and we got him back to the to track, and I retired him. But he was probably one of the best horses I ever trained, and it was the biggest kick I ever got. The day he got hurt, you know, but. Listen, you, you move on. You have to move on and try, get, try and get the next star. And then we had, we had Hidden Cyclone, you know, we had Luska Lad, we had Chimie, and they're all only cheap horses, eight grand, seven grand, you know. Any horse that I have, I don't believe in giving an awful lot for horses because I can't take on, during the winter, I can't take on the William Mullins or the Paul Nichols because I haven't got the, the power behind me to do it, right? So. We have to think, right, John, why, why are you going to do it? So I kind of make myself a summer trainer. And during the winter, 
I have me 15 or 20 pint of pinters to sell. Mm -hmm. So every pint, like Huey would have been sold if he had to, he was in Boris one day, I thought he couldn't get beaten and he slipped going down the back and pulled up. If he had to win that day, he pulled, probably would have made 50 grand and he would have been sold. So I was very lucky that day that he fell, you know. Um, but I, I, what I do is I sell plenty of pint of pint horses there and I sold posh trish, plenty of good horses that went on and won lots of races for mm -hmm. English people and Irish people. And um, it's a business. And for me to keep my business going, I have to, um, I have to have pint of pinters to sell because training horses, there's no money in training horses. I'm telling you, with me, there's no money in training horses because we probably don't charge, we don't charge like the rest of them, right? We'd be cost, our, and our cost is, is the same height as everyone else, right? But we wouldn't be charging as much as uh, the bigger trainers. So you try and make your money trading and yes. you try and train, not quite at cost, but not much, uh, not much, not uh, much fat at cost, on, the, on the bone. At cost. Really? At cost, yeah. Now, the, we'd have nothing, like, uh, with the feed, with everything going off, staff, everything is after getting dearer. And um, I'd be very happy if I could uh, break even um, training. And I can't understand, I find it very hard to understand the smaller trainers, d you know, with five and six horses there. D like, they must be doing it for a hobby more than, than a living because I know if I wasn't trading, I wouldn't be in this game. And if you weren't trading and you weren't training, yeah. what would you be doing? Probably have to draw the doll, I'd say, because we're not fit for anything else. <laughs> 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 what would you what would you like to be doing if it wasn't if it wasn't horses what would you what would you what would you have loved to do Listen, when you were, I, when I you were in school did you think about did you think about never talk about training horses um, I was a cattle leader and I couldn't wait to leave school because I left school in like 13 to go buy cattle and sell cattle and at that, that time my father they were shipping cattle out of Ireland and there was nothing else in my head only cattle, cattle, cattle. And then the foot and mouth came in and the thing had to slow down and I went off to drive for George Mullins. And probably I met a, I met a great people. I went to drive for George Mullins. I spent driving for George for about a year and a half. Um, and I was in the English yards and I met a lot of the English trainers. And, um, and they're great people, you know, they're great people. And um, I remember being below Martin Pipes one day and um, the horse were coming down out of the lorry and he said, did you pick a nice one? They were after buying him off of Costello's in Clare. Mm -hmm. And I picked out a horse and I said, I like the horse there. And I remember him coming to me in Cheltenham uh, two years later. And come here, he says, that's the horse. And he was after winning, I forget what horse it was, but he was after winning in Cheltenham. He says, that's the horse you picked out, he said. So, you know, I just, listen, you kind of have it or haven't it and I'm lucky enough I think that it's working well for me and, and in, in terms of how you've restructured a little bit you're talking about you've become a you become a summer trainer you did get pretty big at one point didn't you you did you did have a lot of a lot of horses you were you were you were tr were you trying at that point to oh. to compete with the to keep up with the Joneses yeah to try and yeah but um just has gone so big like Willie and fair just to Willie and Gordon and Henry and you know and Joseph like they have the horses they have the people to buy the horses to give mm -hmm. the money like 
Uh, if I you, did, you ever have that or not? Never. Did you ever have a sniff of it? Did anyone come in and say, I, "There you go, shark. Here's a here's a few hundred grand. Go buy me some never, nice ones." Never. Uh, I bought a horse this week. In fact, I gave uh, more than I ever give for any horse. But um, was it a, like a lot? A lot? Just a lot of money, right? But like into the sort of twos, threes, fours. Yes. Right, and he's for an English national, so he is. But um, I've usually like even today. Before I left home, I saw the horse yesterday. Lads came in. Listen, we have ten grand to spend there, you know. And a lot of the horses I'd have would be costing ten grand. And like it's for it's affordable for people to do that. I'm I, I'm setting up a new syndicate at the moment there now, right? I have two nice horses, Rayhead and Ray. He's on the flat, and um, I'm setting up a new syndicate, John Hannan Race, and we're going to just start with it small, a uh, thousand pound training fees the whole lot for the year for, for people and it would be a nice way to get people into racing like we have to keep people in racing if we don't keep people in racing it is lovely having the big lads and they don't half the time they won't go racing but mm. for, for Irish racing for English racing that's in to get with 30 people in the ring and they have a winner that is a big big thing so it is and I'm going to try now and I'm starting it off next week uh, getting two horses thousand uh, pound, all trend fees, everything covered for the week, for the for the year, right? So you put up your thousand pound and you have no more cost, which I think it'll work, mm. because like for Christmas presents or for whatever. Um, but I think in racing we need to get more people back involved. So that when you go to some of these tracks and see a hundred people there racing, like uh, you were you were at mm. the race in England, and I think you agree with what I'm saying. We need to get more syndicates together and have a bit of atmosphere at the races. That well, atmosphere has gone out of the race. I mean, first of all, you've just delivered the most elegantly, elegantly crowbarred in plug for any syndicate ever on this programme. <laughs> but is it, it is, is very plausible. Secondly, where I really agree with you is that where I think race courses are missing an opportunity is that these big syndicates, yes. whether they're you know, small shares, smaller shares, micro shares, whatever they are, they're, they're a captive audience to actually get people to go to the races to, and to enjoy the experience. We need to get and people it, back racing. The race courses say, well, we can't give away, you know, 500 tickets for free. But actually, they need to look at the bigger picture. You've, you've potentially got a big audience there of people who have minuscule shares in horses that could actually be turning up to the sports and spending There's money. Probably 75% of the people that are racing at... Uh, uh, there's 75% of people not going racing. There's 25 of the owners, yeah. 20% of the owners that go racing. One lad with a horse. You go racing there tomorrow morning, wherever it is, and you look into the ring, you'll see Jackie standing by herself with the trainer yeah. or whatever. And that's awful. Like, we need to get more people back into this game. To actually go physically. To go physically. And, like, I see my house at home. Yesterday morning, there was 30 owners there, right? To go in to get a cup of tea. They all start meeting each other, Right? And um, before they left, they were changing numbers, and now they're friends. And that's what we need. We need to get that into the racetracks in England, in Ireland. We have to get more people involved. If we don't, like, it's great to have these big owners coming and win the races, right? But nine times out of ten, they mightn't even be there. You know, like, it's just, it's something that I don't know how it's going to work, right? But I, I'm going to try and start this, that we get a syndicate together and get, keep, it, keep it going, do you know? And um, I'm hoping that will get bigger and bigger and bigger. Do you know what I mean?
Luck on Sunday, proudly sponsored by Albastia Cruel Dubai.